Hour number three. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, uh, it's the way we like to wrap up the week. Speargrass Golf Show, 1998 Masters champion, Marco Mira. He'll be here for the Champions Tour. The Shaw Charity Classic goes down in August. We'll hear from Marco Mira. Matty Rose had a chance to speak with him earlier this week. Yeah, it was a really good chat. I'm very excited to hear your interviewing skills uh, one-on-one. Oh, they're uh, they're tip-top. Tip-top. No problem. Lots of good interviews. Yep, I know what I'm doing for sure. Yeah, I look forward to that. How did he shoot yesterday? Let me find out here. Hmm. Mark? Oh, two over. That's too okay. bad. Awesome. Look forward to hearing. Uh, it's the Mark one here. of their majors, the Senior Open Championship this weekend. Yeah. Um, also, uh, we're giving away uh, VIP tickets to Cowboys Music Festival Sunday, July sixteenth. See Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, and twenty four K Golden. How have we not played any twenty four K Golden this entire? I don't week? know. Maybe we'll do that to come into the Speargrass Golf Show. What do you think, GVP? Sure thing. I don't even think I can know a twenty four K Golden song. No, sure we'll find uh, a none of the explicits. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously, it might have a few, but yeah, I'm sure you can figure it out. Um, the NHL offseason has been quieter than blank. The NHL offseason has been quieter than blank. I'm getting some heat on the text line over my comment that I didn't want to say anything to the masseuse because she was an attractive girl. <laughs> Like, people are, are misunderstanding what I said. I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> and Matty Rose, the one trying to throw gasoline on the fire. Did I? Me sound like a bad guy. I, I was just asking if what I was understanding is what you were laying out as events was accurate. That was I all was I was saying, asking. Because she was attractive, I didn't, I didn't say anything. So I asked if she was not attractive, if you would have ripped a strip off, and I said no. <laughs> I don't know if that's me trying to bury you. I just think you, you were. I just think you it's were. asking questions. I just think it's I'll important. I'll make sure if we ever go skydiving, you don't pack my parachute, Rose. <laughs> this oh, parachute's, this, this parachute's a knapsack. <laughs> Thanks, Rose. <laughs> it's all good, dog. I got you. Uh, don't worry hey, about it. Hey, try this drink. No what? problem. <laughs> oh, it's poison. Great. All of a sudden, every day... You're putting a little bit of arsenic in my coffee, getting progressively sicker. <laughs> hey, listen, that would just be building up a tolerance. If anything, I would be doing you a favor. Okay, all right. Um, Derek Wills, the voice of the flames. Same thing I am He's currently doing you a favor, I mean. <sighs> He's the voice of the flames on Sports at 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. Hello, sir. How are you? Slowly pouring arsenic into someone's coffee so they could build up a tolerance for it would be a lot like Flipping a rattlesnake into someone's bed so they could slowly build up a tolerance for snake venom. Yeah, exactly. I don't hate, you can't I, do it. I don't hate the plan. I don't hate the plan, no. and I think it would be a good one. Are you, uh, Derek, are you a guy terrified snakes, spiders? Is there anything like that that really, like, whoa, snakes. like, no thank you? Yeah, snakes? Yeah, snakes big time. When I was a kid, we had this uh, retaining wall at my house, and uh, there was, uh, I don't know what you would call uh a colony maybe of gardener snakes. I used to play with them. And (laughs) then I'll take you back to Halloween, 1984. So I'm nine years old, eight years old, eight years old. And uh, there was this movie on Fox 29 in Buffalo, George. Yes. Called seven S's. I have a homework assignment for our listeners. Google the trailer. 
this movie changed my life, or at least changed my opinion of snakes. <laughs> Ever since I saw that on Halloween night of 1984, I've absolutely been terrified of snakes. Wow. But what Seven about S's. these? Google it. But what about the Samuel L. Jackson classic, Snakes on a Plane? That didn't do it for you? No, I don't watch anything that has anything to do with snakes anymore. GVP, well, it, as a matter yeah. of fact, that, that um, trailer is very arable. People will get it on the radio. If you play that trailer, okay. right. people let's, will understand where I'm coming from. Noted. Yeah, let, let's play There's a little a mention snippet of a of mongoose. It. Yeah. <laughs> but a mongoose is your friend because he's anti-snake, right, Derek? Well, this, you have, this you have an I'm affinity saying, yeah. for the mongoose. Mm. Yeah, it uh, makes me want to have a pet mongoose. Okay. Hmm. Um, we'll do that. Here's the thing about like snakes. A... Like, how are you so quick without feet? Okay, here we go. That, that is uh, a mind-bender. Man, this show today, oh boy. <laughs> right off the rails. No, it's just, it's a tough one today, Derek. I'm not going to lie. It's been a slog today. Um, okay, let's get that uh, Let's get that trailer to play at the end um, about the snakes. Uh, I don't know. There's no transition here. Uh, Calgary Flames, Tyler Toffoli, uh, your thoughts on the trade initially. Were you a little underwhelmed on the return, but then after you thought about it, you're like, yeah, I guess because Toffoli wanted a little too much term here that maybe this was the best deal possible for the Flames. You've had you've had a few days to digest the Tyler Toffoli trade. What's your thoughts on it, Derek? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair way to describe how I felt about it, George. Uh, I wasn't blown away when I saw the return for the Flames leading goal scorer and point producer from last season. I didn't have the same reaction, for example, that I did when I saw the the Matthew Kachuk trade last summer, or when I saw the Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furland, uh, and the rights to Adam Fox trade, uh, when the Flames, of course, brought in their number one centerman, Elias Lindholm, and a uh, top four defenseman, and Noah Hannafin. So uh, when I had a chance to kind of sit back and think about it, and then when I saw what the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights got for a similar player in Riley Smith, which was just a third-round pick, and not uh, a middle six forward coming into his prime. The more I've thought about it, uh, the more I like the deal today. And I think a couple of years from now, we could reflect on this trade and say, you know what, in hindsight, Flames either won it or it was a, a good trade for both them and for the Devils. Listen, I, I'm a big fan of Tyler Toffoli. He had a great year. He's a great guy, but... I couldn't have given him six or seven or eight years. I couldn't have. You know, for me, three years would have been perfect. And it sounds like that wasn't an option for the player. So the team had to move on from him. Uh, and they didn't let him walk away for nothing. You know, they get a guy in Yegor Sharangovich, who I haven't seen a ton of, but he's popped in a number of the games that I have watched him play. And I think it's safe to say, you know, a guy just turned 25 earlier this month, you know, he's still got his best hockey ahead of him, or at least he should. He's got pretty good size and is a, a decent 200-foot player, can play all three forward positions. So I actually I, I don't mind the trade at all today, and I think if we look back at it a couple of years down the road, it, it could be one that works out pretty well for the Flames. They signed him to an extension uh, the day after they make the deal. I think it's uh, a number that works for both the player and for the team. And, hey, they can circle back next summer if he has a good year and they, they think he's got a bright future. 
then they can sign him to an extension then. So uh, the, the more I've kind of sat on it, uh, the more I've liked the deal for Craig Conroy and the Flames. Like you just talked about Sharon Govich a little bit there. What would be kind of like your, your high-end hopes for this player and your low-end hopes for this player? Well, when you look at uh, the numbers he put up in his sophomore season, there was no sophomore jinx for him, that's for sure. I mean, if he could get back to, to scoring 20-plus goals, and I do think that uh, there's still some room for the guy to grow. Uh, again, he just turned 25, so... I think uh, he could be a 20-goal guy and probably uh, a 50-point guy, which is exactly what Michael Backlund has been in his best seasons in the NHL. So think about that for a second. I mean, Michael Backlund's coming off a career year, and Yegor Sharangovich in his second NHL season put up similar numbers, at least as far as you know goals. You know, Backlund scored 20 on three occasions, but uh, in a good year for Michael Backlund, he puts up 50, 55 points. I could see Sharon Govich being uh, that type of player as well. Maybe not uh, quite as good in the 200-foot game, although I shouldn't put a glass ceiling on him there. But, uh, yeah, let's say 20-plus goals and uh, around 50 points. Were you surprised at the lack of the rest of the moves? You know, everybody else still remains a member of the Calgary Flames, despite the fact that we heard the names of Zadorov and Hannafin and Lindholm and Vladar and to back the list goes on. We heard everyone's name and they only make the one deal as the draft goes all the way through. I'm not surprised, Matt, because they can't make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. I don't think that at this point they're in a real rush to trade anybody. Now, if Elias Lindholm informs them that he's not open to signing an extension, then I think the clock starts to tick because, again, I think it would be difficult for the Flames to go into the season with him on their roster and with Noah Hannafin on their roster because what if the Flames bounce back and what if they're in the fight for a playoff spot or you know, solidly in a playoff spot? How do you trade your number one centerman and one of your top four defensemen at, at that stage of the game? The one deal I've thought a lot about is the Matt Duchesne trade because Joe Sackick waited and waited and waited and and I remember saying at the time that I think he's waited too long. But then when you look at the return that he got by waiting as long as he did, it helped the Avalanche win a Stanley Cup. So I'm not saying that if the Flames still have Elias Lindholm on the roster, even if he tells them that he's not going to sign an extension, if he's still on the roster at the start of the season, it could just still work out really well for them. Let's say a, a Stanley Cup contender loses a, a top two centerman. Well, now maybe the price goes up, but... You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, Lindholm tells the Flames that, yeah, I'm, I'm open to staying. Let's, let's find a deal that works for both the player and for the team. I think that's still best-case scenario for me, guys, because when you think about how long it took the Flames to find a number one centerman, it, it just goes to show you how hard they are to find. So uh, even if they have to overpay him, if it was eight times nine, I'd be okay with that because it might look like a little bit of an overpay right now, but I don't think it will in a year or two when the cap goes up. So uh, keep them if you can. If you can't, you're going to get a boatload for them because there are teams like the Bruins that are looking for players like him. Derek Wills is the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Dennis Bernstein was on uh, last hour, um, Derek, from the fourth period and said, Michael Backlund has uh, he's worth more to the Flames than any other team in the NHL. Do you do you buy into that? 
Not necessarily. I think he is uh, an excellent two-way centerman. He finished, what, fifth or sixth in Selkie Trophy voting this season. It's not the first time he's been top ten. And, again, I, I mentioned the Bruins, who I believe are going to have to replace Patrice Bergeron. If I was the Bruins, Elias Lindholm would be number one on my list, and Michael Backlund, not sure where he would rank, but he would be on the list for sure because all similar players. So, yeah, he's really valuable to not only the Flames, but to Calgary. Uh, I mean, kind of grew up here, right, as a first-round pick back in 2007, and I'd love to see Michael Backlund play a 1,000 games in a Flames jersey. Only one guy's done it. His name is Jerome McGinley. It'd be really cool to see Michael Backlund do it, but you know, for me, like some other guys, Michael Backlund's future with the Flames may be tied to Elias Lindholm because if Lindholm doesn't stay, then I'm not sure Backlund's going to look at the Flames uh, as a team who can compete for a playoff spot or for a Stanley Cup. doesn't mean it won't happen, but I'm not sure he's going to see it that way. So uh, I think he's very valuable to the Flames, but I think he'd be pretty valuable to some other teams as well. And he's one of those guys, fellas, who I don't think you have to trade before the season starts. If he informs you he's not going to sign an extension, I think you can hold on to him because I think you would get just as much, if not more, for him around the deadline as you would right now. He's fascinating to me because, you know, we've seen guys like Chris Tang get a six-year deal at 34, 35 before, but I don't know if Michael Backlund is going to be getting a six-year deal from any team wherever he ends up going. What do you think is going to be the, the cap hit on Michael Backlund's next deal? Is it going to be higher or is it going to be lower than what he's currently at? Because it's probably going to be something like a two, three, four-year term. Yeah, I really think it depends on term. Uh, I think the longer the contract is, the lower the AAV is going to be, but now he's entering the final season of his uh, current contract, which uh, has a $5.35 million AAV. If he were to sign a three-year extension with the Flames, I think it would probably be right around that number, maybe a little bit lower, maybe a little bit higher. But for me, uh, the longer the contract goes, uh, the lower that AAV is going to be. But uh, if it's in that two, three, four-year window, Maddie, I think probably right around that five, five $5.5 million mark. One of the things that I find fascinating about this group now is the way that their centers are going to kind of play out. Like, do you see Sharon Govich playing on the wing if they keep all three of these centers? Or do you think he could go down and, and play in the fourth and, and they could go four deep no. down the middle? Nope, don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, a name that I think most of us have forgotten about, I could see being the Flames' fourth-line centerman next year, and that's Kevin Rooney, yeah, who wound up in Daryl Sutter's doghouse for some reason last season, but... You know, he's still got one year left on his deal, and he was brought in with the thought that he could be a, a bottom six centerman or, or maybe winger for the team, and I'm not sure why it didn't work out, but clearly it didn't work out. But from all uh, reports that I've heard, he went down to the Calgary Wranglers and was a, a model teammate down there and, and a mentor for a number of the Flames prospects. So, you know, I think he's got to come into training camp, assuming he's still with the team, uh, believing that he's got an opportunity to, to win a job. I don't think Trevor Lewis is going to be back, so you've got that fourth-line center spot open. As far as Yegor Sharangovich, you know, I think the, the Timo Meyer trade really pushed him down the depth chart with the Devils. But again, if you look at even strength points, not a big difference between Tyler Toffoli and Yegor Sharangovich over the last three years. Toffoli, you could argue, was in his prime during that time. 
Sharon Govich, I'm not sure he's come into his prime yet, having just turned 25. So if you give him an opportunity to play top six minutes, and for me, he's at least a middle six guy. I don't know where he's going to play as far as position. It really depends on what happens with some of these pending UFAs. But you give him a chance to play at least in your middle six and to get some power play time, I think that's where his numbers could really take a big step forward. And he could be that 20-goal, 50-point guy that we've talked about. Derek, why are we talking at all about Chris Tanev? Uh, he's one of those guys that's heading into the final year of his deal. It's like all the attendance on Lindholm and obviously Toffoli with being the uh, the Delt. You have Michael Backlund, Noah Hannafin, and all of a sudden, like, Chris Tanev feels like the forgotten guy in all this, doesn't he? Not for me. I, I think a lot like Michael Backlund, when you look at his age, he is one of those players who you don't have to trade before the start of the season if he informs you that he's not going to sign an extension. I think you could get just as much and probably even more for Chris Tanev if you were to hold on to him and he was healthy at the trade deadline because teams are always desperate to add defensemen, especially top four defensemen, especially a a player like Chris Tanev that is so strong defensively. Teams that believe they can win the Stanley Cup, they love adding that type of player if they can get their hands on them at the trade deadline. So I think you'd have a bidding war for a healthy Chris Tanev at the trade deadline. And I think that's one of the big reasons why we're not talking a lot about Tanev right now. He's 33. And if he starts the season with the team, even if he tells them he's not open to signing an extension past the the upcoming season, I think that's okay. And I think another reason why we're not talking about Chris Tanev is Noah Hannafin. He's a guy, much like Elias Lindholm, you cannot let him walk away for nothing. You can't do it. So he's already, from everything that I've heard, told the team that he isn't interested in in signing an extension past next season. So I think you have to trade him. And I think it makes it easier to trade him knowing that you're going to get another left-shot defenseman who's played top four minutes in this league and Oliver Shillington back into the fold. And when I think about potential trade partners for Noah Hannafin, the team at the top of my list, fellas, is the Philadelphia Flyers. Because they've got a guy who I desperately want the Flames to get, and that's Travis Konechny, who I'm told actually lives in Calgary during the offseason. And he's 26, and he's got a couple of years left at $5.5 million, And the, the type of player who I think you can win with. I just love the way he plays the game. So I'd love to see the Flames and the Flyers get together on a, a hannafin Konechny deal. I also wonder about the Bruins. Jake DeBrusque is a player who, who really interests me. His parents are up in Edmonton. So uh, I look at him as a guy who might be willing to sign a long-term extension here in Calgary. Uh, it would probably have to be DeBrusque plus for Hannafin. I know there's been a lot of talk about the Panthers. I like, I'm not sure I love Anthony Duclair, uh, but he did play pretty well beside Jonathan Huberto, so that could be a fit. So uh, I think one of the reasons we're not talking about Tanev is that clearly uh, the Flames know that, that Hannafin, at least at this time, is the priority because he's a young defenseman, he's a top-four guy, skates like the wind, and there are a long list of teams that uh, would love to acquire him. And then, uh, much like Lindholm, but the Flames have to trade him, I think they're going to get a boatload for Hannafin as well. Hey, man, you were at the draft party back on Wednesday. Tell us about it a little bit as the Flames selected Samuel Honzik. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, The Flames hadn't done a draft party in quite some time. They haven't had a lot of high first-round picks, but uh, they brought it back, and it was a lot of fun. There were 
know, some uh, loyal and fantastic season ticket holders there. Uh, they did a great job putting the party together. Now, I'm not going to lie. Ryan Leslie and I co-hosted the event. And like everybody else in the room, we were just waiting for a trade. Because is there anything more exciting than when Gary Bettman walks up to the microphone and said, we have a trade to announce? But he didn't say that once, and I was absolutely stunned by that. But the Flames picked 16th overall in a really deep draft, and they get a guy who I think is a safe pick because he's already got a man's body at 6'4", 194. That's what he's listed at on Elite Prospects, at least. And a, a guy who I think brings a lot to the table. With that size, he's uh, really good at protecting the puck. Uh, he said it himself. Uh, he's a strong skater, and he's got uh, some skill. And apparently, he is. Uh, even though he's only been in North America for a year, he's uh, emerged as a real leader in that Vancouver Giants dressing room. So excited about Sam Honzek. I'm not sure how close he is to being uh, an NHLer, probably a year or two away at least. But I, I like the pick. Uh, Sportsnet had him rated ninth. Uh, on their draft board, which was, I think, higher than anybody else. But you know, the Flames at 16 get a guy ranked ninth by Sportsnet. So uh, I don't know what you guys thought about the pick, but uh, I quite liked it. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a question more for Matty uh, than me. Matty's been all over the draft like a dirty shirt. Yeah, I think he looks good. Like, this is a guy who's got to put on a ton more weight. But, like, as I've read a little bit more about him, like I mentioned, like the first viewing that I saw of him, he was good. He had a couple of points, but I wasn't like, wow, unbelievable. But at the same time, that was back in October, and this was a guy that really wasn't ranked overly high then and then over the year really kind of shot up the rankings. So I'm excited to see how he continues to grow. Another year in the dub would be really good for this guy. You know, first roll minutes in every kind of opportunity get to the NHL as soon as possible, and then uh, from there, see how it goes. But probably talking about a guy who's a couple years away, but it all depends. Like, if this guy hits a growth spurt in the summer and, and throws on 15 to pounds, maybe accelerate it. Yeah, I'm not sure I see him playing in the NHL next season. No. Uh, I've been wrong no. about guys before, but uh, that would surprise me. But uh, I, I think with his body type, uh, I would be surprised if he didn't eventually get to 215, 220. Uh, yep. I think uh, mm. size is certainly going to be an advantage for him. And the Flames' second-round pick is an interesting one as well. It, it wasn't a great draft for defensemen. It was a center-heavy draft and a forward-heavy draft. But I read in a couple of different places, guys, people had Etienne Morin ranked really high. As a matter of fact, in a couple of different spots, he was the number one defenseman on the board. So you know, the Flames get him at 48th overall and might be a bit of a project, kind of like Jeremy Poirier, but he's got a lot of offensive upside, and you know, those guys are hot commodities around the NHL these days. Uh, teams trying to get offense from their defense. So uh, who knows? We're going to have to wait a number of years to see how this uh, draft class pans out, but uh, I like those first two picks for sure. Um, Derek, before I let you go, uh, we have the Seven Snakes, uh, Seven S's movie trailer it's, uh, ready. It's just literally it's just, seven S's in a row. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, yeah. That's why it was harder for us to find it back here. Uh, do, do we have it? Like, once this motion picture sinks its fangs into you, you'll never be the same. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. Hiss it. Don't say it. Hiss it. <laughs> Don't say it. 
hiss it. <laughs> okay, yeah, don't say it, hiss it. Don't say it. What the hell are you doing it. here? Get out! Get out! Get out! Talking to a snake? Listen. I feel like my guts are being rearranged. Cut <laughs> your skin. It's scaly. Look for your legs. All right. That's oh, probably enough. Right. That's that's probably good. Derek. You, after 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 listening to that trailer, do you still think you'd be afraid of that movie? <laughs> no, I think it's it's probably more of a comedy than anything else. It's yeah, so ridiculous. But think about eight year old you. Wouldn't yeah. you be afraid of that? Yeah. Oh it's yeah. True. Man All gets I know is man gets bit by a snake and turns into one. Yeah, that'd mess me up. What I've learned today movie, is guy, don't say it. Hiss it. Hiss it. Anyway, yeah. Sir. yeah. One scene in the movie, the guy sits in the toilet, and guess what's in the toilet? Uh, a crab. No. A slithery snake. Really? A, a yeah. cobra? <laughs> Stunning. Well, the, there was that cobra versus mongoose scene. <laughs> yeah. Friday night viewing for our listeners, fellas. I, I read about it, and... and it, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. The snake okay, but is who's the protagonist. Proper? But who's tougher, a mongoose or a honey badger? Because the honey badger gives no what, no bleeps. You know, he gets stung by the by the snake, has a little nap, and then gets up and eats the snake. Yeah, no Like, problem. nobody's more badass than the honey badger. That's probably fair. And then they're both bad at the end. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's a sad uh, Derek, terrific stuff as usual. Quickly, uh, thanks for that, quickly, Jeff. guys. Uh-huh. Yes. Quickly. Um, yes. When I saw the trailer for Cocaine Bear, I thought, <laughs> I want to see this movie in the theaters. I never did. So then I watched it at home the other night. Maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh wow! Didn't Patty like it? I, I, no. I thought it was okay. Well, of course, Patty <laughs> no, no, liked no. it. Yeah. Pat has never no, seen no, any no, of the no, Rocky no. movies. Oh no! Oh, you're talking Steinberg. Our Pat. Me. Oh, you're Pat. Yeah. Pat Dumas. Yeah. Mm. No. I like. You I want the right. no. Uh, Just for fun. Derek, you you want some uh, weekend viewing? The worst movie you'll ever see in your life: Moonfall on Amazon. Moonfall. Okay, I'll check it out. Horrendous. <laughs> or I won't. And stick like stick through the ridiculousness through the entire movie because it starts out okay and then it becomes the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Well, you're not selling it. Yeah, wow. But no, is... if you think Cocaine Bear was bad, Cocaine <laughs> Bear is Citizen Kane compared to Moonfall. Okay. Mm. Wow. I might not watch it, George. No, you have to. Uh, enjoy. So you can report back to us uh, when we talk to you again. Thanks for this, pal. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. All right. Straight ahead, the Speargrass Golf Show. We'll get, uh, we're going to give away those two VIP tickets to the Cowboys Music Festival. The NHL offseason has been quieter than blank. The NHL offseason has been quieter than Blake. Marco Mira next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sports at 960. The fan. George? It's a bit, yeah. It's a big show. <laughs> you there? Yeah. You okay, buddy? It's all right. Just ran to the washroom real quick. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I just worried. Like Bob McCowan, the legendary Bob McCowan, used to let songs play for like two minutes before he came on. Yeah, the air. I know what Bob would do, but Bob would do it all the time, so I didn't get panicked when it just ran for a long time. You like yeah, to jump right. in. You, you you don't like to sit on for too long. You like to let a couple bars play, and then you're I in. I like there. to let it breathe a little bit. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Was... Yeah, it's twenty four k golden. Yeah, mood checks a bang. Coming here. Yeah. Uh, for the Cowboys Music Festival, Sunday, July 16th. You can go see this dude, mm-hmm. along with Ice Cube and Steve Aoki. That would be a lit show, fam. 
Yeah. Um, the NHL, stop that. The NHL offseason has been quieter than blank. The NHL offseason has been quieter than blank. Quieter than George coming back from break as the song plays. Mm. Zing. All right. <laughs> you ready for the Speargrass Golf Show? Yeah, I am. Sure. I've been ready for weeks. Yeah, um, it's time for it. It's Friday. It's that time of the week. It's Speargrass Golf Show brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course. Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. Uh, R. Matthew Rose. R. Matthew R. Rose. I don't know what your middle name is. I think you do. I think do I've I? told you. Is it Archibald? <laughs> You're so close. Ru- You're so it close. Rudiger? It's actually Archie. Isn't it Alexander? Nope. Uh, is it uh, Mario? Nope. Double M on my middle name? Come on, that would be ludicrous. What okay. type of family puts an alliteration into child's name? <laughs> why not? I mean, if you got sounds silly. If you got a last, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Um, Matthew Rose had a chance to talk to uh, golfing legend Marco Mira, 1998 Masters champion. He'll be here for the Shaw Charity Classic, which goes down uh, in August. Uh, one of the best golfers of all time. Matty Rose had a chance to speak with him. When did you talk to him? Wednesday? This was Wednesday, yes, because uh, okay. he was on the course Thursday and Friday. But I uh, had a chance to chat with him. It's I think it's his 10th time coming up to Calgary for the Shaw Ooh. Charity Classic. So just started right there, the excitement level to be coming back to our humble little town. Oh, absolutely. Right. Are you kidding me? I love <laughs> it there. <laughs> Shaw Charity Classic, does it get any better than that? I don't know. I, you're the golfer. You tell me. Oh, listen, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan, obviously being a, I like, I've never won there obviously, but you know, being a former Canadian open winner and knowing how much all the Canadians love golf and, you know, certainly I love my hockey too. Since I live in Vegas, I'm pretty jacked about what happened <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Cause I went to every playoff game and, you know, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the guys on the team. So it was a great moment. All right, Mark. Well, I've got a whole bunch of stuff about your career and coming to Calgary that I want to get into, but we have to start there. Um, The games, I'm sure, were awesome, but you have to tell me about where you were for the parade. Well, that was a problem because what happened was I went to the final game on Tuesday night, and then I had to be on a plane Wednesday morning to go to L.A. for the U.S. Open to do corporate stuff. Mm. And so I didn't get back to Vegas until, you know, late Saturday night. So I didn't get to go to the parade, but I certainly watched – some of the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, those hockey players, they know how to, how to go deep. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the party was wild for sure. Um, do you have like a, a moment that you remember significantly about the playoff run that is one that you're going to, you know, like, listen, we're talking to a guy who has won at the Masters, who has won at the British Open, who has uh, plenty of wins while being on tour, 16 on the PGA Tour. But is there a moment from that run that is going to kind of sit with you for a while? Well, I've always been a, a massive fan of the NHL from the days of when I was a young kid, you know, watching and living in Chicago. I was a big Blackhawk fan and then moving across the country. You know, I've followed different teams. I'm friends with a lot of the you know guys who have played in the NHL. You know, I went to Wayne Gretzky's final uh, game in Madison Square Garden because mm-hmm. I know Wayne. And, you know, my, my love for for the NHL and for ice hockey is just is beyond belief. And when I moved to Vegas three and a half years ago, 
I knew I'd want to have season seats, so I do, and I want to support my team. I want to support my city and my players. Uh, this year, you know, my friend Mark Stone, who's the captain of the team, and obviously his brother played for Calgary, uh, a D-man. Um, you know, when he – that final game, when he scored the hat trick, uh, I was in my seats, and at the end of the game with the empty netter, uh, I had my Western Conference Championship uh, Vegas Golden Knights hat on, and I'm about 14 rows back opposite the visiting bench on the blue line. And the guy next to me is like, hey, you going to throw your hat down there? I'm like, no, I like this hat. I just bought it. And I can't get it to the ice. So, no, I'm not going to give Mark Stone my hat. You know, I'm still waiting for yeah. my free stick from him. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, uh, it, was, it was a great moment. I, I, I got to be honest. I, I get excited when I get to go see my team play. I've, I've probably made 26 home games. Uh, at T-Mobile, and then I made every playoff game that was at home. Awesome. Uh, we're chatting with Marco Mira on the Champions Tour. 16-time winner on the PGA Tour, including a couple of majors, the Masters and the British Open in 98. Coming back to the Shaw Charity Classic once again. I believe this will be your 10th time up here, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, was here last time in 2022, tied for 19th. I guess just uh, you mentioned it's a great tournament for the Champions Tour. What are some of the allures of Calgary? Because I know you're a fisher as well. You like to get out and... Uh, throw the line in a few times here? I love the river. I love it. <laughs> I've fished the bowl quite a few times. This year I probably may not be able to, to fish it, but, you know, the, the thing, when we come back to Calgary, we feel so welcome there. And it's a, an incredible city. It's got everything you could ever want. It's got the weather. It's got the mountains. It's got the rivers. It's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, it's very special. And we're thankful that, that the tournament's there. Uh, we get great support from the community. You know, I'm friends with Brad Shaw. Obviously, there's been the big merger that comes through with Rogers, and that's fantastic. I'm thankful that the tournament is still there and we can keep it going. And we always get a really good field, and you've had some great winners up there. You, uh, I wanted to get into uh, just your career a little bit, go down memory lane for a moment. Uh, the last two PGA Tour victories for yourself were the Masters and the British Open. What was the emotion like of finally reaching that mark at the Masters, being able to carry it over to the British Open at that point in your career? Well, I think a lot of it came about because at that time I was 41, so I, I believe I'm the oldest guy to ever won two majors in one year. But a lot of it I give credit to, you know, certainly I think everybody knew my relationship with Tiger, right? He comes into my life when he's 30. I'm 37. He's 19. And, you know, when you play golf with somebody that was that special, uh, you know, you I can't look. I can't hit a golf ball like Tiger Woods or play golf like Tiger Woods. But I knew, you know, that I could beat him. And I think he helped motivate me a little bit. And... Mm-hmm. Just when people didn't expect me to win a major, and probably including myself, you know, there I stood on the 18th green on a Sunday afternoon at Augusta National and made a putt to win the Masters. Because I remember 18 years plus prior to that, I played in the Masters as a U.S. amateur champion, and I was terrible. You know, I don't know what I shot, but I stayed in the crow's nest above the champion's locker room. And, you know, then I shot like 80, 81, whatever I shot. I wasn't like the young players of today's generation. And then 18 years later, at 41, I, I won. So it was, a, I think, a year that certainly was icing on the cake. It capped off, you know, a dream for me of playing professional golf for, for so many years. And, you know, now still at, I'm 66 to be able to play once in a while on the Champions Tour and compete at a, a game that all of us love your 
your listeners all love golf. We love golf, and um, we're just privileged to be able to play a great game for a long time. Tell me a little bit more about getting that green jacket. And, uh, of course, it is your friend Tiger Woods who puts it on you after winning the year prior. And that's such an iconic moment for anybody that wins at Augusta. For you, maybe even more special with your friend there. And then maybe a little levity. I don't know if, if like, an arm got caught or something like that, but it was maybe a little bit awkward. Uh, just how do you yeah, me- remember no, we- that emotional <laughs> moment? <laughs> Yeah, we got to go there. So, so much happens. You know, you make a putt. You're a little bit shocked and disbelief on the 18th green. Because as a player and as a fan, I've always watched the Masters, too. And I've always wondered how the heck can anybody make a putt on the 18th green to win the Masters. And then all of a sudden, it comes to fruition, and you do it. And then they rush you over to Butler Cabin, and we get down there, and Jim Nance is there. And certainly Tiger's in there because he's defending champion. And uh, Matt Kuchar was low amateur. So they go to commercial break. They come back. And they're interviewing Matt as low amateur Kuchar, and then they talk to Tiger for a minute, and then it becomes that moment where they, you know, Joe Ford tells Tiger, okay, it's time to present Mark, you know, with his green jacket. And I stand up, and Tiger's got the green jacket. He comes behind me, and, you know, of course, Tiger's two or three inches taller than I am, and I'm an older guy. And next thing you know, he's, he's holding the jacket up behind me, and I can't get my left arm in the jacket because he's holding it up too high. So I'm, like, kind of hopping up, trying to get my arm in, trying to get my arm in there very awkward moment and finally i had to look back and say to tiger hey you know lower the jacket <laughs> you know and so so he lowered the jacket and i could get my left arm in my right arm in and then you know he got it around me and he gave me a hug and that was kind of that and then they went to commercial break and i and i look over at, at t-dubs I, I said tiger i said what was that all about and he goes mo how the hell would I know how to put a sport coat on anybody? I've never done that before. <laughs> well, we should have practiced. Yeah. <laughs> classic. Hey, you fire a million drives, million iron shots, million putts. you got to practice putting on that green jacket for any new and aspiring golfers. I think that's the big thing that we've learned today. Uh, you mentioned that playing against Tyler, Tiger made you better because you knew that you could beat him. Yep. What was it like competing against Tiger Woods? Because he's known for that unstoppable competitive nature. Well, I think a lot of it was like I was always a pretty good putter in my career. Um, and then, you know, certainly being around him when he first, you know, even the, right before, right when he turned pro, he hadn't even gone to Milwaukee yet. And we were playing and at home there in Orlando. And he didn't have, there was not a lot of 19-year-old kids bursting onto the scene that were as famous as Tiger Woods or had the money that Tiger had. And so, I don't know, he just needed somebody to bounce stuff off and somebody to look after him. And, and that person, luckily, was me for all those years. And, I, I give him a ton of credit. You know, we're still friends. I don't talk to him very much. I sat next to him at the dinner this past Tuesday or in April this past Masters. So, mm. you know, we catch up once in a while. And 98, after I'd won the, the Masters and he put the green jacket on me later that year, I go across the pond and win the Open Championship. And mm. at that time, um, I had more major championships than Tiger Woods. Obviously, it didn't last very long. But um, so, you know, and I clipped him by a shot there at Birkdale in, in uh, 98. He was one shot out of being in the playoff that I was in with Brian Watts. So, you know, I kind of rubbed that in for a while. and It didn't take long for him to, to go skyrocketing into winning his other 14 major championships. So, and then later that year, we played uh, at the World Match Play in London and I beat him in the finals. So, you know, I, I don't, don't think for one minute that I don't like to rub that in once in a while. 
I love that. I love that, Mark. Uh, okay, I got this last one for you. I know you've done some course design uh, along the way as well. Can you tell me about that and just what that kind of work is, I don't know, something that you're interested in? Well, I've kind of, I've only done three courses. So I did a course, um, and well, the first course that I did was in Park City, Utah, where I live uh, in the summertime and spend winter time up there too. And it's called Two Hay. It's a beautiful course. It's fun. We, I love it. It's It's got beautiful views and the course is, is nice. I mean, my members always tell me it's too hard. And I'm like, well, no, golf is hard. I haven't played an easy golf course where I walked away and said that was no fun because it was too easy. No golf course is easy. And then uh, I did a course north of Toronto up in uh, Muskoka area called Grandview. So that's an Omera design. And then I did one outside of uh, Dublin, Ireland called Carton House. So really haven't done that much. It was fun dabbling in when I did. And now I, I spend most of my time uh, either fly fishing. I'm either in a river somewhere. I'll be up in British Columbia later this fall. I'm a big steelhead guy. So I'm up in Smithers. Um, in Paris and all those areas up there, I, I, British Columbia is, it, to me is, is one of the prettiest places in the world. So is Alberta. And, uh, and then summertime, you know, yeah, just trout fishing, hanging out. And then in the wintertime, I, I like to ride my snowmobiles up in the back country. Mm-hmm. Um, I got enough going on that I doesn't, after traveling around the world for 42 years and playing professional golf, there's no reason why not to slow down and, and kind of smell the roses a little bit. Love it, Mark. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, we're really looking forward to having you back here in Calgary. Uh, enjoy the summer. Until then, we'll see you up here soon. I can't wait. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Matt. There you go. That's Marco Miro. Yeah, excellent stuff from you and uh, Marco Miro talking about the Tiger Woods thing, too. Awesome stuff. T-dubs. Yeah, well, that's what they call them. Yeah, I know. So good. I remember I did an interview with... Um, What's his name? Sean something, the famed uh, swing coach, Sean Foley. Mm. Um, and uh, I was at the Canadian Open, and he tells us, like, hey, uh, before we get on the interview, um, no questions about T-dubs. I'm like, <laughs> all right. And then what does he do? He busts out T-dubs during the interview. It's like, yeah, I work with T-dubs. Like, all right, Sean, okay. keep it in your pants. But I can't ask you about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but great stuff. Uh, that's the Speargrass Golf Show brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city. Uh, we got, like, things to do before we go. Uh, Rapid-fire succession here. All right, uh, what do we got? How many more text messages? Two or three here, uh, Patrick, before we go. Oof, I got a lot. Got more than that, but uh, I know we're really up against it. Uh, just pick a couple. They weren't that couple. good today. There's some good ones. They were fine. They, right. were, they were fine. We'll play. I'll just play these four four randoms, okay? Okay. Rick in Riverstone. The NHL offseason has been quieter than the crowd when Johnny Goodrow was guest speaker at a Tourism Calgary event. <laughs> okay, I like that. Next. The, the contract hadn't expired with Tourism Calgary, so he had to come back. Yeah. Clayton from Airdrie. The NHL offseason has been quieter than my car when we're on our way to Callaway Park and I tell the bleeping kids to shut up or I'm turning this car around. <laughs> Best amusement park in Canada, George. Kids will shut up okay. for it. All right. Randy in Calgary. The NHL offseason has been quieter than Carey Price standing embarrassed on the draft stage, not to mention the silent have staff letting him hang in the wind. All you could hear was his nose breath. <laughs> 
<laughs> was breath. <laughs> All right, Randy. What we talking about, Randy? Come on, kid, Again. save him! Someone save him! He's- you know what? I'm also impartial to a guy named Randy. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do yeah. love Randy because you know what it is, George. I wish we had a rod. It's not a name. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, All you right, better believe it. We don't have a rod, but I got a Rob. <laughs> okay. Rob in Airdrie. The NHL offseason has been quieter than that dude who voted McJesus fifth place. <laughs> yeah, how's Seth's Twitter these days? Oof. I haven't even... Yeah, has, has he ever talked about it? I don't think so. I don't think he has to. Uh, All right. Uh, no, he doesn't have to it talk to Randy. about it. But... Congratulations to Randy. Randy. Yeah, Rando. Yeah, you're going, uh, you just won a pair of VIP tickets to the Cowboys Music Festival, which goes down Sunday, July 16th. You'll see Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, and 24K Golden. Uh, Maddie, um, safe trip. Bye. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. We're uh-huh. looking forward to that. Uh, before we go, uh, what do we got in Mucho Big Show, Patrick? We will have Bryson Vesnaver, uh, the CFL data collection lead for Pro Football Focus. PFF has a new relationship with the CFL this year. Maddie got a chance to speak with him and just uh, talk about the differences between the CFL, the NFL, and just data collection for this league. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, our man GVP has put together sort of a best of or worst of <laughs> over the past week. So we're going to leave you with that. Uh, this is the first time we're doing this on this show. Uh, we're just going to leave you with that as we say goodbye. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Myself and Julian will be in as Maddie will be um, gallivanting around Europe. Italia. Uh, in the country. I'm going to drink wine, boys. Yeah, Bye. Looking forward to it. See you later, Maddie. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, talk, to you, talk to you Tuesday. Bye. With this trade and also getting a third-round pick, which I don't know what they'll use it for. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll actually draft with that third-round pick, but they could potentially use that as anumi- a- a- ammunition. Thank you. This is the way she blows, eh? We'll do that next. It's the Rose Report. Or it's the Big Show. The Rose Report on the Big Show. <laughs> Sports at 960, <laughs> the fan. I'm just not built for it. They super horny. Look, guys, I'm just a, a, a bigger guy on a scooter going downhill with one wheel just trying to make it to the finish line. Whoa, we're all surprised. How crazy. The, the stadium, the whole facility, that's the word I was looking for. It took me as long as Carrie Price Matt. to get there. No booze, uh, just a little room service and bed. So for the first time in a long time, I can say that I actually was a good boy. Big boy. Brutal. Uh, yeah, congrats. We're probably dealing with terrible diarrhea at the same time. Hey, the series yep. closes tonight. Jose Barrios will get the call. What was it? Chris Bassett. I thought it was supposed to be Barrios. Bassett. It's going to be Bassett today. Uh, 507 start. <laughs> Sportsnet <laughs> West. After just weighs in there. Bassett. Yeah, you just spat that one in my Pro-Bassett. face. Pro-Bassett. <laughs> Pro-Bassett. Pro-Bassett. Let's go, fellas. Matriculate. <laughs> the ball down the field. Something extremely moist that we can sink our teeth into. <laughs> Just buckle in. Buckle up for the player movement. Whatever buckle in. Buckle in, buckle up. I don't know. Whatever buckle you want to use. Buckle it's up, be crazy. Watch out. It's going to be insane. Put him down on the table and she's like, oh, all she'll ever say is, oh, God, this is tight. I mean, my guts are being rearranged. I think the right to say the next time around would probably be by... Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Monday, it's the big show. Rustic and Rose. Sports at 960. The fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Did you just say no, it's wait. Monday? Did I? Sit, Ubu, sit.
Good dog.